Colleagues, welcome back to the office and to our presentation for today. This is K2's Building a Cutting Edge Virtual Office. My name is Steve Yash. You're in my office for today, and we are here to learn about some of the incredible things that we could do with working remotely, with working from anywhere, from working from home, from working from you know where and just about everywhere under the sun. Uh, we're going to learn the different tips, techniques, and tricks that we can follow to be productive and effective wherever we happen to be working and whenever we happen to be working, whether it be in the morning, the afternoon, the evening, anywhere in the world, we can be working and productive with virtual office technology. Now, in our class, we are going to be examining many different aspects of virtual office tech. Uh, the intention is that you are going to be able to leave our class today with enough knowledge and experience and hopefully insight to be able to pick some technology, to be able to pick uh, vendors, to be able to choose the path that you want to take for yourself and for your organization. Now, for my classes, I tend to put a little bit more heavy emphasis on practical stuff uh, in the sense that I really want you to be able to be able to implement a majority of what we're going to talk about today. So all the tech that we're going to talk about from the hardware and software side of it, this is stuff that you can immediately choose and immediately put into your organization. Additionally, with respect to the uh, different techniques, I try to make, uh, and I'm trying to scope this course out, so it's stuff that you could personally choose yourself. Uh, some technology, for example, is very big in structure. You know, I realize, for example, you can't necessarily choose whether or not your company is going to go with Office 365 or Google, but I'm going to try to give you enough flexibility for you to make personal decisions. So if you're trying to explore the virtual office for your own personal sake, you'll be able to do so. So what are we going to be discussing? Well, this presentation, which will be presented in uh, four parts over the course of four hours, is going to be starting with a discussion with what the heck the virtual office is and what it means to be working from anywhere. I want to give you a good frame of reference with respect to understanding the benefits and risks as it applies to yourself, to your organizations, when you're choosing to allow people to be able to work from anywhere and to be able to have an office that is designed to be effective anywhere in the world as long as you have internet. And there are some cultural things, there are some technology things, there are certainly benefits and risks that you should be aware of. And so in this first section, we're going to take a holistic view and really try to understand what this means to our companies. Then we're going to go ahead and take a look at the cloud technology, okay? Cloud technology really is at the heart of every aspect of the virtual office. Uh, and without internet access and without cloud tech, I mean, you're really just kind of dead in the water. And so I want you to have a pretty good understanding of some of the different levels of the cloud, how it operates, how it works, uh, as well as uh, some of the major providers that operate inside of the space so that you can ultimately make a decision about what's good for you. We're also going to review in this section some different methods of remote access and how that works. And we're also going to review some different types of applications and programs in the sense of traditional applications, thick client application, mobile apps, and more to kind of give you a sense of how some of these different products and services work uh, and why you might want to choose one or the other. Then we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about hardware. Uh, good news is with cloud tech, both hardware and devices, I'm not going to say aren't as important, but they don't need to be as powerful in the traditional sense um, like they were maybe 10 years ago. Uh, the reason being is if you're harnessing the virtual office, a lot of the processing power is going to be done, you guessed it, up in that cloud. 
and so the actual computer you're using isn't as relevant and isn't as needed to be as powerful as it once was where, you know, you were running QuickBooks or you were running, uh, you know, your accounting application and it took a lot of memory and a lot of processor power locally. All that's being done inside the cloud. But there are some good recommendations with respect to hardware and devices that I think you should consider, especially if you're planning your office at home or somewhere else. Uh, stuff like, you know, printers and scanners, mice, keyboard monitors and more. And so we'll try to give you a sense of some of the major hardware categories and, and some of the uh, recommendations that I have thereof. Then we're going to talk about software. Uh, as we said a minute ago, cloud technology, um, you know, internet is, is and cloud technology are the heart of virtual office and software is is what's running up in that cloud. And so you have lots of different opportunities for, for software uh, choices inside your organization as well as platforms. Um, there are big cloud connectivity solutions from Microsoft, from Google, and from other providers that you should consider. Uh, the biggest of which being, you know, Office 365. You've also got Google Workspaces, and there are other third parties, including Zoho, which could be a great component of working uh, remotely. And these applications can either run in browser, they could be a mobile app, and sometimes even a thick client. Uh, but what they do is they give us the ability to write emails, to correspond with our colleagues, uh, to be able to do our accounting, and much more. Uh, and so we're going to talk through a couple of different major platforms that you might want to consider. Now, one platform that's really shaking up how business is being conducted, and I would strongly recommend that you take a look at for your organization, is going to be Microsoft Teams, which is part of the 365 ecosystem. Uh, Teams is fantastic. Uh, it is a tool that can do instant messaging. It's a tool that can do meetings. It's a tool that you could use to collaborate and to work on documents real time with your colleagues and more. Uh, I mean, it really is fantastic from a collaboration and um, a productivity perspective inside your organization. So uh, we're going to take a walk through that and show you some of the major features and functions and why so many organizations are considered using it for their organization. And throughout the day, I'm going to do everything I can to give you some of the best helpful and most useful apps, products, and services uh, to really kind of improve your day-to-day -day operations and hopefully make you a little bit more efficient and effective. All that and more in our presentation for today. Now, if you've never attended a class with me, thank you so much for coming. Again, my name is Steve Yoss. Uh, I'm an instructor and presenter with K2. And I have the privilege of really kind of having a split life. Half my life is spent writing and teaching and researching one of my favorite topics, technology, and being able to present it to you wonderful folks. And the other half of my life is working and building technology through my organization, DevMatics. Uh, but I write and teach on lots of different topics, um, you know, from Excel to productivity to virtual cloud tech and more. Uh, so I really appreciate you checking out this class. Again, my business is Devmatics. We built all different types of custom software, mobile apps, integration solutions, and more. And if you have any questions about technology for your business, feel free to reach out. I'll give you my contact information at the end of our presentation today. I'm always happy to answer questions, point people in the right direction. If I can help you, I'd be more than happy to do so. Now, there is something new in the K2 universe that I think you should be aware of. K2 has a podcast. How cool is that? The K2 podcast is presented twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. 
and you can watch for free live on YouTube, Facebook, and more. Um, the podcast uh, offers in-depth analysis and reviews and training on topics from the latest and greatest apps, mobile apps, Excel tutorials, and more. And it allows us to be able to cover contemporary topics that are a little bit more difficult to discuss in a you know set presentation like this. Uh, check it out. Go to www.k2e.com forward slash podcast for more information. Or you can check it out on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, or wherever you happen to find your content. Alrighty, folks, let's go ahead and get into it. We got lots and lots of great stuff to discuss and review today. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into our presentation. Okay, so we're going to start our presentation today with our getting started with the virtual office for your organization with the intention of really kind of defining the objectives and goals of what it means to work remotely for your company. So when you work remotely and you work, um, you know, not from a physical office, it's more than just kind of taking your computer and going to a Starbucks. Um, when structured correctly, it could be as productive as being in the office itself with no reduction in throughput inside your organization. You could have great communication, collaboration, and more. Um, but I'm going to tell you, it takes proper planning. It's going to take something that you're going to want to uh, do on uh, a regular basis in, in the sense of like, just don't do this willy-nilly. Do this with a little bit of, of thought and planning ahead of time, and you're going to be successful with it. And my intention here is to kind of give you some of the, the big picture stuff to think about. And I bet I guess a great way of really kind of starting here is really just kind of discussing something that should be pretty obvious to all of us uh, in the sense that, hey, why not do this? You know, I, in a lot of respects, I don't really think you have a choice anymore. Uh, I really think that, especially when it comes to the technology side of this, most of the cloud tech is the tech now. Um, you'll hear me say throughout our presentation on several different occasions that cloud technology uh, is the rule, not the exception. Um, and, you know, working something on prem or installing something on your, uh, in your local network or having a server in your office, that's almost like, you know, again, the exception to the rule. Uh, most of organizations now, by default, are choosing CloudSec. So in a way, it's like, well, why not? Now, let me give you some things to think about. You know, cloud tech doesn't distract or take away from anything inside of your business. In fact, in my opinion, it just makes things a heck of a lot better. And there are some key benefits by providing cloud tech in the sense that it makes it easier and more flexible to be able to work and operate anywhere. Now, why is that, why is that useful and effective? Well, frankly, I think it's needed. I mean, how about this? We live in a global economy. Um, you know, now with the the absolutely widespread nature of the Internet and how ubiquitous it is in terms of access, I mean, it's everywhere. It's in everything. It permeates almost every aspect of society, and it gives us the ability to be able to operate anywhere in the world. You know, it is completely reasonable to think that your company could be in one place, your clients somewhere else, your, uh, your employees in a different location, your vendors are halfway around the world. Uh, like my business, Debmatics, you know, um, I'm based here in Southern California. My partner is based in uh, the Salem, Oregon region. We have staff spread across Oregon, California, Colorado, and more. Uh, and our customers are all over the globe from South Africa and Australia to Europe to Canada 
to um, Hammond, Louisiana, and more. You know, we're kind of all spread across the world. And it's very common uh, to be able to do business with clients, customers, and vendors worldwide. Uh, it would be best to think, you know, where you're thinking globally uh, in order to remain competitive. And in a lot of ways, I would tell you, it's really kind of not optional because, you know, just because maybe you don't want to compete with a company in Newark, New Jersey, that doesn't mean that company in Newark, New Jersey doesn't want to compete with you. And now, I mean, we can work with professional service firms and vendors and and we can have clients everywhere. And so virtual office tech just makes it very easy. It makes it very fluid to be able to do business. It makes it very effective to be able to uh, conduct and work anywhere in the world. And the virtual office gives us the ability and the tools to be able to conduct business anywhere. And it makes it so that the physical location of where you are actually located, irrelevant. Uh, I'm just as productive here in my home office in Big Bear Lake, California, as I am in working in my RV when I take uh, family trips uh, in the summer or if I'm working from a hotel in uh, uh, Omaha, Nebraska, or anywhere else in that world. Okay, And it's because the software is that good and it allows for that kind of remote access. So let's go ahead and define some of these things here. Well, if we look at the technical definition of, of a virtual office, well, what does it mean? Well, it is something that combines offsite live communication and address services that allow users to reduce traditional office costs while retaining business professionals. It's a pretty stiff definition. Uh, and in a you know, in a, in a kind of a more colloquial definition, a more informal definition, it's basically we've got tech that allows for people to be able to communicate and work uh, anywhere, you know, and at the same time, we're not reducing professionalism. You know, my staff, again, we're spread out all over. We all work from home. Uh, you never know it. You know, you never know because, you know, you can't tell when an email is written and where it's coming from. You know, you can't tell I wrote that in a Starbucks or waiting in line at the grocery store to check out. I, I mean, it, it's professional no matter where it comes from. Now, my definition of the virtual office is it's basically you're free from the traditional limitations of working in a single office site. Uh, you, you're able to kind of make decisions for yourself in terms of when and where you're going to operate. And you also have the ability to be able to connect and work uh, as long as you have internet access. And from my perspective, the virtual office really kind of gives users the freedom to make the world their workspace. Um, I, as I mentioned a minute ago, I take an annual RV trip um, with my family, um, usually a good part of the summer. We take our RV. Last year, we went through the Dakotas. It was fantastic in Colorado. Um, and, I mean, we have a, a Starlink Internet access, and it was fantastic. We had high-speed Internet access right from our coach. We were camping in the middle of nowhere, uh, North Dakota, and had high-speed Internet. And we were able to work and do Teams meetings and, and Zoom calls, just like if we were sitting in the office and people didn't know the difference. And I love it because, you know, hey, you know, in the morning, get up, answer some emails, maybe go for a hike, go check out a national park, and then come back and do some work in the evening. The world is your workspace, and that virtual office gives me the ability to be able to operate anywhere. And something I like to say is that it empowers users to adapt their work lives to meet their personal lives. Um, you know, I still frankly work a lot. I work a lot of hours. But um, what I really like is the fact that I, I have some diversity in terms of where I work and when I work. Uh, and my personal life, I'm able to make decisions about travel or be about going to visit friends or family, um, 
And the virtual office technology gives me that ability to be able to work, but my business partner knows work is still going to get done. It's not like, you know, hey, I've just taken two weeks off to go somewhere. Hey, I'm still going to be working, maybe not 40 hours a week, but I'm still going to be working a fair amount. And I have the ability to be able to connect even if something, uh, if I'm needed or if something bad happens and I need to get in and work on something for, for the company. And so it's more than really kind of just working on the beach. I want to I want to really kind of stress that point. It's about the ability to work anywhere, anytime, and most importantly, really kind of on your uh, your terms. Um, I think there's you know we'll talk some about the the risks with respect to kind of uh, uh, of working remotely here in a little bit, but the fact that you could do it kind of the way you want to do it and in the manner that you want to do it, in my opinion, is just great. Um, you know, you really kind of get the ability to kind of be able to control your life a little bit more. And I will tell you where organizations really do well is, again, when they do the planning of this, they know what they're going to be doing. They've set proper expectations with their staff. They have the ability to be able to control and be able to um, probably monitor this, you know, so that, uh, you know, everybody is is happy. You know, the employer feels like they're still getting value and that the employee is still being able to work uh, effectively. The employee feels that they're, you know, not just being ground into the ground and, and working 40 hours a week and having to commute two hours a day. I mean, they can work and be effective anywhere. And I think especially for younger workforces um, and the net younger generations, millennials, Gen Z and more, uh, I think the importance of that work life balance is going to become incredibly more. It's going to become more and more important and, and, and frankly, a more a bigger focal point. Uh, and as we look at trying to recruit and hire people. Uh, I think providing them the option to either be fully remote or be in a hybrid environment it is going to be incredibly important for attracting that younger talent. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the benefits of the virtual office that you can expect to uh, receive with respect to uh, implementing this inside of your organization. There's lots of benefits that come in, and this is going to be comp- this is not entirely comprehensive because we're still going to be talking about benefits throughout the presentation itself. But here are some of the big ones from my research and talking with folks that have come to mind that I think are really kind of good to maybe keep in our mind as we talk through these other aspects of the presentation. So first and foremost, cost savings, okay? You should know that there are going to be significant cost savings for both yourself as well as the employee, okay? On average, remote workers can lower the operating costs and real estate costs of an organization by $11,000 per employee per year. Uh, And if you think about it, that kind of makes sense. You know, um, obviously, there's going to be some differences between, let's say, you know, Class A real estate and a high-rise building in New York, Boston, Los Angeles, San Francisco, um, versus you know having you know uh, your own office maybe in Big Bear Lake where real estate's pretty affordable, or you know Timbuktu for that matter. Um, but you know, on average, I mean, if you're going to save some money, and it's just going to be because you're not going to have. Uh, as much space that's going to be needed. You're not going to have uh, a lot of those common costs like utilities, administrative overhead, power, um, and more. You know, I, I've got a friend who works in some Class A real estate in, in Orange County. Uh, he worked for an accounting firm. They had two floors of a building. 
And post-COVID, you know, during COVID, everybody went home and they found out that not only did they get all their work done, they made more money. And so the, the office decided to not necessarily close, but they went from two floors to half a floor. And most people now work at home and they hotel uh, in the sense that they've got a bunch of office cubes set up in the building. You reserve one for yourself if you want to go and work in the office. But the only people who are in the office full-time now are administrative staff. Even partners have the option of working from home. And the only people who got to keep an office were those who decided to stay full, full-time. You know, they basically said, I'm going to work at the office 40 hours a week. But everybody else, if you're hybrid uh, or you want to work remote, you could do so. And they had a tremendous savings. Uh, and if you think about it, I mean, all that money goes straight to the bottom line of the organization. And, you know, they were paying, you know, through the nose for two floors of a building, parking, uh, all the fees and everything that you can go into it. So, I mean, that was a permanent cost reduction for them. And additionally, you should note that the employee should also see a pretty nice reduction as well. Uh, from my research, it came out to about 4000 bucks a year um, if they chose to be fully remote that could be avoided by basically commuting. You know, the fuel, the car, the maintenance and stuff like that. You know, let's say eating out, maybe I don't I, I, there's plenty of costs that you can figure out that could go into it. But if you're working from home, you're generally not driving your car and you're generally not eating out. Uh, you know, you're probably you know commuting from your bedroom down to your office or maybe the kitchen table. So cost savings of this, in my opinion, are really kind of cool. Now, generally, if we look at organizations that offer either work from home or a hybrid work environment, generally report employees having increased satisfaction with the work they do, increased work-life balance, uh, increased retention ultimately to the organization. Um, and I think that's really effective because, again, I think it comes back to the fact that work and life can come together on uh, the correct terms. And it, it's something that makes it very simple, very easy to be able to, to be able to combine together. Uh, so that kind of work-life balance, I think is much more prevalent in hybrid or fully work from home environments. And that ultimately turns into uh, better employee satisfaction. And I think if we look at today's environment where it is very difficult to be able to find people, hire people, retain people, anything that we can do to create a better environment, I think it's going to be better for the organization. All right. So generally, people who work either fully remote or hybrid generally have less absenteeism, again, less attrition inside the organization. Um, you know, generally, when you work remote, you know, if you can work, you work. Uh, I know that's the way I feel in the sense that, um, you know, I'd have to be really kind of knocked out not to be able to at least go down to my office and, and answer some emails. So generally, you're going to have less people not showing up for work. Although I will point out, you know, you're not doing your comp you're not doing yourself any favors if you have allocated sick time and you don't take it. Uh, you should take it if it's something that's part of your compensation. Okay. So, I will tell you that generally uh, increased flexibility hours and workspace are are very beneficial to both the employee and the employer. Uh, I personally really love the fact that, hey, if I'm tied up in the morning, maybe I'm taking the kids to school, maybe I'm going for a walk with the wife, uh, or I've got an appointment midday, or I've got something, I've got to go pick up these kids at the, at the end of the day from school. That flexibility is really uh, beneficial to employees. And a lot of employees will actually report that they're willing to uh, take a cut in pay or reduction in compensation in some respects or take a position that has less compensation 
uh, for that kind of flexibility. And frankly, I think that's great. Uh, for myself, as an example, I had a really late night last night writing and and uh, set time of year to write and prepare materials. Uh, I like the fact that I didn't have to. I don't have to show up to the office at seven in the morning. You know, if I need a little bit more time in the morning to get myself ready to to work or sleep, I could do so, and I could work later in the night if I'd like. Uh, working from home, working remotely is better for the environment. Uh, not commuting is always a good thing. It's a better use of everybody's time. It also decreases our requirements of fuel, which ultimately lowers our carbon emissions, which hopefully will lead to a happier planet. Uh, so working from home is certainly better for Mother Earth. Now, one of my personal favorites here is the expanded candidate pool. Okay. Uh, with respect to this, um, it's crazy to think that the only people that can work for your business are those who live within an hour drive of your business. Um, you know, here in Los Angeles, Southern California, I live up in the mountains, but I mean, it could take you if you lived in L.A. I mean, two miles can take 30 minutes sometimes. You know, it's crazy to think that, you know, the people that work for you have to live within an hour drive. I mean, there are great people all over the world. And when you have the virtual office, it gives you the ability to diversify your candidate pool and be able to hire people from anywhere. You know, if they're not living right next to you, fine, that's that's okay. Uh, and you could also hire people that maybe wouldn't be a traditional good candidate of working in a physical space. Uh, if, you know, for example, stay-at-home parents raising their kids, maybe homeschooling, uh, millennials or Gen Z for that matter, uh, military spouses, people with disabilities, other candidates that might have excellent qualifications, but you know, just frankly can't get into that office space. But the big one is the geography side of it. A um, little bit later in the presentation, I'll talk about PEOs, professional employer organizations that give you the ability to be able to hire really kind of anywhere in the country without creating an economic nexus for yourself. Uh, and that really kind of is fantastic. We've used a PEO in our organization because it's, it gives me the ability to hire someone in Colorado and I don't have to think about like payroll or filing a corporation paperwork or registering with the state. PEO takes care of all of that for us. And technically all employees are are employed by the PEO. The PEO is a vendor to the business. That's how that kind of gets facilitated and work. But it's fantastic from a um, from a compliance perspective. Now there are some risks to the virtual office that you should be familiar with. Okay, starting first and foremost with if people aren't seeing each other, that could be hard. Um, you know, in terms of kind of understanding culture, direction, uh, staying motivated, productive, and more. And so there's some different risks that we should be familiar with. The first one is less opportunity for collaboration, okay? Unless you make time for it, unless you create a culture of it, it's kind of hard to be very productive and collaborative when your staff is spread out across the world uh, and you don't have that kind of face-to-face -face interaction, okay? You can replicate this. Tools like Microsoft Teams, Slack, and more are kind of fantastic for that kind of communication and collaboration. Uh, and in fact, I'm not going to say they are a perfect replacement, but uh, they do a lot to improve um, your ability to be able to work anywhere and to work with your staff anywhere. Now, frankly, when you have people working from anywhere, you are going to have increased security concerns. I'm not going to say this can't be resolved or issued. When properly implemented, the virtual office is the same whether you're working in the corporate center or you're working from home or from a Starbucks. So you can properly set this up with the correct level of security and administration without sacrificing any sort of privacy or security for your organization. Uh, but it does require proper planning. 
Okay, you could have some possible increased cost to the employee from working from home, uh, increased power. Um, you know, they might have to have a faster internet connection. We might need some specialized business software, hardware, maybe desks, things of this nature. Typically, when you're working from from home, you're shifting those costs from the company to the employee. Now, in our business, the way we handle that is that we compensate our employees fairly and, and accurately. Uh, and then we also do an expense reimbursement to help offset some of the costs to the employee. Um, you know, so if they need faster Internet, they need specific hardware, we buy it. You know, it's still cheaper than having an office every single month. It's still cheaper. I mean, because we're not incurring rent and utilities. It can be difficult to understand the organization's direction. Um, I can tell you we got people scattered out of sight, out of mind. That can be really difficult. Uh, you know, especially when you're trying to create tone and you're trying to create culture, knowing, you know, kind of what the heck is going on inside the company is hard. Um, you know, I can tell you, you got to make time for it. And I can tell you that those physical connections, seeing people shaking hands, giving a hug. I mean, it's that type of connection that uh, creates, I think, loyalty and it creates culture. It creates, uh, you know, the, the, the willingness to want to participate and be involved. Now, you could replicate that um, in some respects, but still, I would encourage you, even with your remote staff, try to get together once or twice a year or at least every other year. Uh, the K2 instructors, for example, for the first time in many years, we got together for a week in Texas, uh, and it was fantastic. We all got together. We all talked and uh, figured out courses and did our planning for the year. Um shared ideas. I mean, just stuff that, you know, it's not that you purposely don't do that when you're working uh, remotely. It just is, you know, kind of comes to the back of the mind. Um, but I can tell you a great way to kind of at least make that work is get together occasionally. And something that we do inside of our organization, I think is pretty nifty is um, uh, again, like once or twice a year, we just get together and, and we talk, uh, we do a partnership retreat and my partner and I get together. We figure out what we're going to do in the business. And that kind of sets the tone and the direction of the company. Okay. I think the thing that a lot of organizations fear is that low producers are going to fly under the radar, meaning you're going to have low producing employees. They're going to get by without really kind of much scrutiny. You know, people are going to be at home eating bonbons, watching daytime soap operas. Frankly, I, I could tell you from my perspective, I've worked remote for years at this point and all of my staff. Um, I don't think that's anywhere near accurate. I, I think there are certainly people who work better in an office and there are people who certainly work better remotely. Uh, I don't not saying you have to be one or the other, but uh, it's a skill like none other. But pick the right people who are going to work remote. And I've found that most of the time it's actually the opposite. Most remote employees tend to work more uh, because they're not confined to that traditional eight to five. I will also point out there might be some increased technology costs to the business. Uh, you might have additional licensing, different software, cloud hosting, so on and so forth. But frankly, in today's 2022 environment, many of these increased expenses probably would be incurred anyway. Office 365 doesn't care if you're working from a corporate office or you're working from your home or from a Starbucks or anywhere else. You'd pay that fee no matter what, and it's going to work the same. Now, something that is gaining a lot of traction, I think is pretty nifty, is this idea of the hybrid office. And a hybrid office consists of where remote staff and staff who work from a central office. And essentially, you can get the best of both worlds. 
So if we talk about working hybrid, uh, it could happen a couple of different ways. Uh, it could be, for example, uh, some workers always work from the office and that's what they do. You have some workers who might always work from home. But then you could also have this third category where some workers work from the office maybe one or two days a week and then they work from home the rest of the time or they work from somewhere else, uh, but they're not in that physical office. Ultimately, what we're trying to do here is let staff members choose where they are the most productive and then ultimately work from there. Sometimes that might be in the office. Sometimes it might be from home. Sometimes it might be from their RV calling in from South Dakota. And as long as they get their work done, and the key word here is being productive, do you really care as long as it's getting done? And so uh, from my perspective, I think giving people the option is probably the overall best choice for the organization. And I think trying to strong arm people into one or the other is going to be quite difficult. All right, folks, let's go ahead and have our first review question. What is the expected cost savings per staff member per year uh, that works remote? So what can you expect from a company's perspective here? Is it $2,000? No, it is not. Is it $4,000? Nope. Is it 20,000? Nope. The correct answer here is going to be 11,000 per year. Now, I want to talk through some of the essentials of the virtual office. There's going to be essentials both at the, let's call it platform software level, and then there's going to be stuff also at the hardware level. We're getting into our hardware and software specific recommendations in a little bit, but uh, let's go ahead and set the tone for some of the tech that we're going to have to think through here. Okay. So, I will tell you the absolute, from my perspective, key thing for working remotely is going to be communication. Communication tools are the absolute essential uh, for staying in touch with each other and for um, knowing what the heck is going on. And there's lots of good communication tools that are out there. You've got tools like Teams, Slack, Zoom, and more. There's no reason not to stay in, in contact. As long as you've got internet, they work. Likewise, having access to our files and documents, uh, and especially across all our devices. It's not just about having them on your computer, but then also being able to get them on your phone and tablet as well. Our companies need to employ good security practices to keep information private and secure. Uh, that is not optional. And good news is, again, it, you'd be doing this anyway, and it's something that is effective in both the office as well as working from home. Um, security is uniformly applied across everywhere where people will work. You're going to need some different cloud services, different applications, uh, some of the traditional legacy stuff. Thankfully, is most of the way out in 2022. I mean, most of that stuff has, has gone the way of the dodo bird, of the old way of doing things. But you might need some different tools and services to really kind of make this shine. And certainly those collaboration tools are going to be really effective. We're going to talk through many of those products and services as we work through our presentation. Now, for yourself, this is the stuff I think you physically need to carry with you, like your gear, basically, uh, either on the road or working from home. Um, I would tell you this is the stuff that's really going to make or break your experience. And so starting first and foremost, dedicated private workspaces. Okay. Now, I will tell you. Uh, this is definitely a luxury. Uh, both my wife and I work from home. We both have an office. It's a luxury to have an office and be able to work. I recognize, especially you know, fam uh, people with young families or kids, you might not have a spare bedroom to be able to turn into an office. 
Um, we'll talk about maybe a way of mitigating that here in a minute. But if you could have a private workspace, even if it's a closet, the garage or something with good seating, I mean, it's going to make or break your experience, uh, especially if you could be somewhere where you're not going to be interrupted constantly. Uh, you're going to need a lightweight but powerful laptop, especially if you're going to be working remote. I've got some specific recommendations in a little bit, but a, a nice computer is essential. Okay, you're certainly going to need internet access. Internet access is at the core of the virtual office. If you don't have internet access, nothing will work correctly. Um, we'll talk about some different options for internet access, but whenever possible, fiber is the best than cable and just make sure it's a good provider and ideally have good equipment. Um, because I mean, you just cannot be working in an environment where your internet access is dropping, uh, multiple times a day. It'll be miserable. Uh, it's certainly a smartphone, uh, one that could be used as a hotspot. It's always appreciated. I've got an iPhone 13 here, but you could have Android or anything, but really, I mean, ultimately your choices are Google or Android. Uh, the good news is both of these can be used as a hotspot. I could turn this into a Wi-Fi hotspot, attach my laptop, so if my internet goes out, I can be working immediately. You want a good office chair, a good keyboard and mouse. I got a nice chair here. I feel comfortable. I've got a full-size mouse, a full-size keyboard. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, uncomfortable with respect to what I am doing, and it allows me to focus on the work and the tasks at hand. Certainly displays. Okay, we'll talk about some specific monitor recommendations in a little bit. Uh, two monitors makes all the difference in the world. Personally, for myself, the more the merrier. Uh, I, for my home office here, I've got six monitors, and I love it. I've got a three-by-three three configuration, and it's changed the way I work, but a minimum of two. And I've got some specific recommendations you might want to consider. And you're also going to need something to be able to video chat. I mean, video chat, Zooms, Teams, post-COVID world here. I mean, they're very ubiquitous at this point. We all know what they are. We all know how they operate. But having a good, dedicated mic with echo cancellation that works effectively, uh, you know, it is going to be really important. And I've got a couple of different recommendations for you when it comes to earbuds. Earbuds, I personally love the Apple um uh, whatever the heck these are, the uh, the Apple ones. Uh, they're really great. They sound good. Um, and then when it comes to my computer taking meetings, I really like this smart uh, speaker. This is a Jabra uh, speakerphone that I've had. I've got a couple of them now. And I just think these are fantastic uh, for being able to meet with people because it makes everything sound good and, and I can uh, be heard and they can hear me very clearly. Uh, but you don't want to sound like a potato when conferencing with people and, and having dedicated hardware can make a big difference. Now, here are some tips with respect to working remote. Okay, first and foremost, have a plan. Uh, I would tell you, um, you know, knowing what you're going to do and how you're going to do it is going to make a huge difference. Okay, I would tell you, you should try to identify and resolve whatever hurdles or roadblocks you're going to have so that you can focus on the work that you're going to need. Uh, so if it's, for example, not having a dedicated workspace, well, maybe you can have a dedicated work hours where uh, family members will care for your children or they go to daycare or school or something like that. And you try to focus your work during those eras. Uh, or if it's having, you know, insufficient internet access, well, maybe you've got, you know, your, your uh, normal internet and then you have your smartphone as a backup. Okay, set work hours and daily limits. Um, I will find personally in, in my experience and what I've talked with colleagues that uh, most people who work remote end up working way more than 40 hours a week. Uh, I would tell you, try to set work hours and, and focus 
on uh, getting your work done in that time period. And don't forget to take a lunch, you know. Although I will tell you, and my wife would tell you this too, do as I say, not as I do. I tend to work way more than 40 hours a week and I tend not to eat. Okay, do regularly communicate with your colleagues and clients on the status of projects and deliverables. I can't under-sell this, how important communication with your staff and colleagues are. Uh, And that makes all the difference in the world. If you can facilitate this and people feel like they're getting value, they understand what the heck is going on, well, guess what? That communication is going to make this relationship and this work um, really work well for you and for your colleagues. I will tell you, creating culture is important, and one of the best ways of doing that is being available for social interaction. Uh, for myself, we always start meetings. Hey, how you doing? How's your weekend? How was the t-ball game? Uh, how was that camping trip? What are your vacation plans? I really don't like starting a meeting. I don't like when people, for example, just go straight into it. Let's just talk for a minute. I want to get a sense of what's going on in your life and try to be connected. And that can go a long way with creating that spirit to decor. When meeting with staff or clients, have your camera on. I generally try to also make my hands visible, you know, so that people know I'm not multitasking. It's so easy to be talking to someone and just, you know, uh huh, uh huh, and and you're writing your email, you're doing an accounting project or a tax return, and you're not paying attention. Uh, I really try to make sure that my clients can see that I'm hearing them, I'm listening to them, and I try to act the same as if I were in person with them. That's not always the case, but that's what I generally try to strive to do. And again, that camera on creates professionalism. I show up, I'm wearing a collared shirt, I'm ready to do business. Certainly track your time on projects, set milestones, identify some success metrics. I'll talk about some recommendations for hardware and software that can help you do this, but definitely track time. It will be able to more easily communicate value back to your staff and to management if you can actually show what the heck you're doing and when you're doing it. Let's go ahead and have another review question. Which of the following is not an essential resource for working remotely? So what don't you need? Okay. Uh, Do you need a dedicated workspace with a desk, a chair, and lighting? Ideally, yes. I would say that's absolutely something that you need. Uh, Do you need clear and consistent communication with your team? I would say that's absolutely crucial, as was life, uh, as is high-speed internet access. Uh, Although it is not an essential resource, it could certainly help. Uh, A a fully stocked fridge with lots of treats uh, will go a long way for creating that uh, that um, motivation to want to work, but uh, it is not essential. Although uh, I I think many people would say it certainly uh, can help a lot out. Alrighty, folks, let's go ahead and go into our next section here, which is going to be cloud computing and remote access. Now, in this section, I've got a couple of different things that we're going to talk through here today. Uh, Really try to give you an understanding of how the cloud works, how it's effective, what it's going to be doing for you, and uh, ultimately try to tell you about some of the different levels of the cloud, some different ways of communicating and connecting, uh, because again, the cloud is at the heart of that virtual office, to try to give you some, you know, some things to think about as it relates to Uh, that communication. So the first thing I want you to know is that the cloud is not a a single monolithic thing. It's lots of different things and lots of different uh, manners and methods and platforms and providers and vendors and more all coming together. And everybody looks a little bit different. The way it works in my business is going to be different than the way it works in your business and vice versa. Uh, However, there are some stratified levels of the cloud that we should be familiar with. Okay. Now, what you see here in this chart and table is um, 
a listing of the different major levels of the cloud. And the stuff that's in blue is the stuff that the company would traditionally be responsible for. And the stuff in gray is the stuff that the vendor or cloud provider would traditionally be responsible for. So under the traditional method, you know, the we run everything on our own. We're doing everything. We're building the network. We're creating the storage. We're installing the operating system, creating all the applications and putting them on the computers and, and backing them up. We're doing everything. But there are three levels of the cloud. And as we go to different levels of the cloud, the company, we become responsible for less and less. Okay. So at the lowest level of the cloud, we call this infrastructure as a service. Uh, the biggest difference here is that all the physical hardware, the physical stuff, the actual computer themselves, the power, the, the cooling, the internet access, the vendor is now responsible for all of those. They take care of it. The client is responsible for all of the logical stuff. So the operating system, the software, the data, the backup, so on and so forth. Providers like Amazon Web Services uh, or Microsoft Azure and more, well, those companies are going to be the companies that are ultimately going to be deciding, you know, where the data centers are and how they operate. Okay, the next level up is what we call platform as a service, and we become responsible for even less here, okay? Under this circumstance, we're just responsible for the applications and data. We just pick what tax program, what accounting program we're using, and the data that we're, we're ultimately going to be using with it. But the operating system, the security, all that kind of stuff, the backup even, that's all taken care of. Okay, the highest level of the cloud is what we call software as a service or SaaS. And in this particular situation, we're responsible for nothing. We just operate, we work, and the vendor takes care of literally everything. All we have to do is show up and operate, and the vendor uh, will take care of installing the applications, backing up the applications, uh, and more. Okay, so a quick spotlight on two of these tools briefly, uh, or levels, I should say. So again, we've got uh, infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, and software as a service. Uh, but really, I would say for most of you, you're either going to be operating at the infrastructure level or the software as a service level. Uh, at the infrastructure level, basically the infrastructure, uh, you pick the vendor and that vendor is ultimately going to be responsible for all physical aspects of the operating system. You basically just pick the software, you install it, configure it, so on and so forth. I personally like this option because it gives complete control over all aspects of the um, deployment. Uh, I can choose which data centers, I can choose what soft, uh, what hardware to run it on, but I'm not having to physically go out there and buy the hardware myself. Additionally, infrastructure as a service has a lower operating cost than software as a service because you know we're we're taking on some of the burden of management of this, and it's a good option for lots of different businesses. Um, and in fact, most businesses today are leveraging something like Microsoft uh, Azure or Amazon Web Services uh, every single day. Okay. Now, the highest level of the cloud is this software as a service. And the software as a service, you're responsible for nothing. Um, you basically just work. If you show up, you got internet access, it'll work for you. Uh, what's nice about this is that the client is given a fixed set of tools and they're not responsible for any aspect of the operation or any aspect of the infrastructure. It's just done. It's just taken care of uh, for them. All users are on the same programming base, typically in their in a multi-tenant environment. It just operates and works. Now, typically SaaS services are subscription-based. You're going to pay a fee that will be paid at regular intervals to those subscription providers. 
So a lot of your cloud offerings today are going to be SaaS-based, uh, stuff like Gmail, YouTube, Microsoft Teams, um, Exchange Online, SharePoint Online. Uh, those are all SaaS offerings. They just work. You know, you just show up and they operate. If they don't work, well, guess what? It's not really anything for you to determine or, or change. It's, it's something at the provider level that they've got to do. Let's have a review question on this material. Which of the following would be considered the highest level of cloud tech? Okay, so uh, <clears throat> is it infrastructure as a service? Nope, that's a, a, a level of the cloud, but it's the lowest level of the cloud. Is it platform as a service? Nope, that's the second level of the cloud. Uh, the highest level is the software as a service, okay, where everything is kind of taken care of for you. Uh, you know what doesn't exist? It's going to be cloud as a service, although I'm sure that will pop up at some point. So how the heck are we going to be accessing our data on the cloud? And what the heck does this look like for our companies? Okay, well, you should know there's a mix of different types of technologies and different types of uh, methods and access. Uh, we're going to talk through many of those here, and we'll probably have to pick up in our second section and continue this uh, discussion. Uh, but there's lots of different ways. I mean, you could use a VPN and continue to use existing thick client applications. You could uh, not use a VPN. You could use a progressive web app and do everything through an internet browser. It could be you're accessing your dashboards from Microsoft Power BI on your phone. Uh, it, it looks different for every business. But let's talk through some of these things and what they might be. Well, the traditional way that we always handled working was essentially through what we call a thick client or a traditional uh, computer application. And traditional client applications still exist. I mean, Adobe Photoshop, Adobe Acrobat DC, Microsoft Word, uh, QuickBooks Desktop. These are all examples of thick clients. They get installed on the computer. Uh, they typically need to be installed on either a Windows or Mac machine. Um, in this particular way, you could still continue to use these while having your virtual office. It's typically going to require, though, either a internet connection, uh, a VPN connection, and more. Um, these applications might not need that internet connection the entire time, but they are typically going to need an internet connection from a data sharing uh, perspective. Um, these are still perfectly usable. They still certainly have a use case, uh, especially for like kind of heavy needs like uh, you know counting or uh, graphic design, video editing, and more. But I will tell you, they're definitely not nearly as popular as they were even a couple of years ago, let alone 10 or 15. Now, if you're going to be using thick clients and you want to be able to work securely, you're absolutely going to need a method of being able to secure that traffic to and from that network. Okay. And a tool such as a VPN, a virtual private network is a great way of kind of creating that secured remote access for your company. Uh, a VPN essentially creates a tunnel between two computers that are not in the same physical place. They're in separate networks. And uh, that tunnel securely connects point A to point B and they can communicate, they can access data, they can access local resources, um, like they're all sitting on the same network. And so a VPN is a foundational building block for a lot of people's virtual office uh, because it's going to provide that secure remote access as well as access to local data and infrastructure uh, while you're remote. Uh, 
Now, VPNs also encrypt the traffic between your company and your remote user so that nobody at that remote user's location can see the traffic coming to and from the company and they can't uh, be able to you know, kind of decrypt it and, and see what's going on. Um, so it's a, a very secure method of, of being able to connect to the internet and be able to send and receive traffic. Uh, and it also, again, provides access, secure access to companies' internal resources. So if you got a, a corporate office and you got some printers, scanners, file servers, so on and so forth, that VPN is going to allow that remote user access to those resources uh, securely, and it'll be very efficient, and everybody will have a nice day. I will point out, though, your IT staff will almost always have to set this up. It's not something most accountants are going to have enough technical expertise to do on their own. Uh, here is a picture that kind of illustrates the topic here. Okay, you got your uh, remote user. Maybe they're working from home. Maybe they're working from Starbucks. And if they were just to connect to the internet, well, it's going to go through that local network. It's going to go up to the public internet and then down to wherever that happens to go. It may or may not be encrypted. It may or may not be secure. Uh, the VPN sits side by side. It uses the public network, uh, but it ultimately encrypts the traffic and will bridge between that remote user and that server, making them act and feel like they're sitting side by side each to each other. It essentially allows that remote computer, user device, whatever, to be on the network of the company and to interact with all those local resources and data uh, quickly and securely. So that's one method of remote access, and that allows you to continue to use traditional thick clients. Now, if you one method you could also potentially use to interact with your thick clients, um, or you could interact with the server, or you could interact with your traditional Windows applications, is to use something called RDP, Remote Desktop Protocol. Sometimes it's called RDC, Remote Desktop Connection. And this is actually a remote access tool built right into Windows. It's been there for decades at this point. It's part of Windows 11, 10, 7, so on and so forth. Uh, in, in my opinion, it's probably one of the better methods of being able to connect to remote machines. Uh, big drawback, though, it's Windows only in the sense that uh, you could have RDC clients on Mac computers or on iOS devices or Android devices. But with remote desktop connection, you're always connecting to a Windows machine. What's cool about this is that you always... Uh, can access your desktop. It looks and feels exactly like your normal Windows machine, uh, and it just works well. I will point out super efficient. It's effective. Really doesn't have additional major uh, risks. But one thing, I'm sorry, well, it doesn't have any major additional costs. But one thing I will point out, it does have some pretty significant security risks. Uh, if you're going to use RDP, you should always use it in conjunction with a VPN, meaning that you connect to your VPN and then ultimately connect to uh, your um, computer through RDP, but you connect to the VPN first. Uh, this ensures that the traffic is in encrypted and secured and that we don't have to worry about somebody eavesdropping and snooping on our connection uh, and then being able to remotely connect to that machine. Um, unsecured non-VPN RDPs, in my opinion, are one of the biggest security risks that you could possibly take. So in generally, uh, I would I would strongly encourage you uh, to avoid that. But if you use a VPN in conjunction with your RDP, you're going to love it. It works really well. Let's have a review question on this. What is the main purpose of a VPN, a virtual private network? Okay, is it to connect to the office securely from a remote location? You betcha. Is it accessing local office resources while in a remote location? Absolutely. 
Is it to encrypt your internet traffic at your remote location to prevent eavesdropping? Absolutely. The correct answer here is all of the above. Okay. Now, with respect to this, uh, I will point out there are a couple of alternatives to RDP that you should be familiar with that work as good or better. They're just a little bit different. Uh, two applications that I really recommend. One is called TeamViewer. The other one is called uh, Real VNC. And these basically allow you to be able to access your remote machine anywhere in the world uh, securely without having to mess and set up a, with a VPN. And in a nutshell, you connect to TeamViewer. TeamViewer connects to your computer, but they take care of all the security and configuration for you. Uh, and it allows you to be able to work from the road, the office, or mobile device. And I'm bringing this up because it's really turnkey. It's simple. It's easy. And in fact, it's free for personal use and pretty inexpensive when it comes to institutional use. So if you're looking for a way to be able to access your remote computer, or sorry, your, your office computer remotely from home or from the road, check out TeamViewer. Another competitor product that I actually prefer a little bit more is Real VNC. Um, the reason I like Real VNC a little bit more than TeamViewer is mostly just because it uh, it supports a wider range of devices, including things such as uh, Linux devices, Unix devices, and more. Pretty much everything runs and, and will work with Real VNC, and it's also free. It's free for five devices per account, so it makes it a great solution for small businesses, personal use. Uh, I use it for everything from connecting to my parents' computers to help them figure out issues to my work computer when I'm abroad. So overall, pretty cool tool and solution. All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and take our first break of the day here. And when we pick back up, we are going to go ahead and discuss uh, VDI, virtual desktop interfaces. And we're going to continue our discussion about how we can use VDI to interact with our traditional apps and services and more. Uh, we're also going to talk through progressive web apps, smartphones, website services, and more. And I'll give you some recommendations on cloud providers you might want to think through. Uh, then we're going to go ahead and talk through some hardware that we might want to consider for our virtual office, including specific computers, displays, some general recommendations on services you might want to consider. Then we'll have a discussion on Office 365, Google Workspaces, Teams, and more. Stay with me. Lots more great services and uh, products and advice coming your way. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll see you after our break. 